Okay, quiz. What are the four questions that we are using as our Bible study method to go through each week? What's the first one? What does it say? Very good. What's the second one? What's the backstory? What's the third? What does it mean? And then finally, what does it mean to me? Very good. We'll keep reviewing those. Sarah, did you push record? Okay. Okay. Have you ever taken one verse out of the scripture and claimed it as either like a promise or a direction or an encouragement without really understanding the, the verse's context? Has anyone ever done that? Yes, yes. What verses might come to mind that you have seen that done with? Like, what's a, a verse that, that we quote that might be taken out of context that we haven't truly studied the context of? Two of you are saying Jeremiah 29:11 right now. Very good. Anything else come to your mind? No weapon will be formed against me. Very good. What about Philippians 4:13? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Do you think this verse was written to an athlete trying to win a game? Okay. Second Chronicles 7:14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Was this written to 21st century Christians in America? Another one that we have to make sure we're looking at the context. So can we, can we properly understand the meaning when we isolate a verse and take it away from the context and not understand the context? We really can't. I like the way that Bible.org talks about this topic. It says, in, in 1551, French printer Robert Stephanus added verse numbers to the chapter divis divisions inserted in Scripture in the 13th century. This made navigating the text much easier, of course, but it caused a problem too. The numbering of individual sentences or even phrases sometimes tempts readers to take the text as a collection of discrete statements having meaning and application in isolation from the larger work. Ergo, how does this verse apply to my life? But God did not give the Bible as a collection of aphorisms, short, pithy, helpful statements to be applied piecemeal to our lives. He gave historical accounts, descriptions of events, biographies, poems, sermons, letters, and the like. The meaning of the parts of a passage is connected to the meaning of the whole. I want to read that last sentence again. The meaning of the parts of a passage is connected to the meaning of the whole. So we won't always know what God is trying to teach us through individual passages without looking at the historical and literary 
context. I'm going to be saying the word context a lot tonight, okay? So let's start with a definition. What is biblical context or backstory? Biblical context or the backstory is the time, the time in history, the place, the biblical author, the biblical audience, the situation, circumstances, and literary context, which when I say that, I mean the passages surrounding the passage of study. So to properly get to the meaning of a passage, these are the things we have to determine as we study. We have to determine who's the biblical author, who's the biblical audience, what's the specific situation that's happening at that time, are there any cultural, religious, or political things happening at that time? And the context around the passage, we have to look at that and how it fits into, not only the verse fits into the um, passage, but the passage fits into the chapter, how the chapter fits into the book, and how the book fits into the whole Bible. By the way, this is in your notebook. Um, you should be on page nine. These notes are on page nine. So if we don't know these things, it's going to be really hard to determine the meaning because guess what? We're going to read it through our own experience and through our own grid of our culture and our time in history. So tonight we're going to talk about how to extract all of these things from the passage that you're studying. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to learn a lot. And then next week... We're going to go to meaning. We're going to go to what does it mean? And you know, last week I told you it's really hard not to try to jump ahead to that, isn't it? Was that, was that difficult for you guys this week? Not to go ahead and ascribe meaning to something and to go ahead and think about how this applies to my life. It's really difficult to do that. Well, how was your experience this week? Go, turn, in your study turn to your study worksheet, 17, 18, and 19. What discoveries did you make this past week? And remember, this past week, we looked only at the passage. What did you glean from your passage, from your study this week? No, you, did. we, you, did, we, you didn't all do the same passage. Yeah. It may not say the specific date, but there's references that indicate maybe around what date it was. Right. There, there were references around the date that your passage was written in. Very good. Anything else you discovered this week? Okay, which, which book did you have? Joshua, the author, okay. I learned how many words I didn't connect. Oh, you learned how many words you didn't connect. Okay, very good. When you really observe, you see so much more than, you, yeah. than, you, than when you just read through it really quickly. Um, anything else any, anybody wants to share? Campbell? A lot of cause and effects in the passage in the book of Joshua. Yes. Very good. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between what are the key words and phrases? And repeated. repeated. Well, repeated, that, you know, it, it's going to say it a few times. Yeah. I would say a key word, it might, maybe it doesn't repeat a lot, but you can still see that this is what the, this is a key theme. This is a key word in this passage. So it could be the same word, or it could be that 
It's a different, it's an additional word to the repeated words. That's a great question. Great question. Okay. Keep working on those observations if you want to, if you didn't get to finish that. Um, but yeah, tonight we're going to look at how do we extract all of these things from the passage. We're still observing. We're still observing, right? We're still looking at the facts, but now we want to go beyond the passage. Okay, let's look at our first principle of the night. Backstory study principle number one. Our interpretation must be consistent with the historical context of the passage and must make sense to the biblical audience that the passage was written to. So if your interpretation wouldn't make sense to the audience, to the original audience, then that's, that's not going to be the right interpretation of, of your passage. Okay? And as we look at the definition of historical context, we see that it includes information about the biblical writer, the biblical audience, and what's happening in history and in culture. Okay. Now let's talk about some of the tools that we're going to use tonight. Hopefully you have your study Bible. Most of what we use tonight is going to be contained in the study Bible. Because your study Bible is going to have cross-references, it's going to have your book intro, it's going to have maps, it's going to have timelines, study notes. Some study Bibles have character profiles, like if you wanted to study more about who is Joshua, you know, who is Paul, um, who is Luke, um, We're also going to look at Bible dictionaries and encyclopedias, and we won't spend a ton of time on this, but I will say, as Kathy and I put this course together, we kind of decided a study Bible and a Bible dictionary is really enough, but if you're a student and you want to go further, you could also also look at like... um, that uh, they have Bible uh, like background commentaries, and I, I have one here somewhere that I can find in a few minutes. But you could do some background commentaries or Bible background commentaries. But tonight again, we're going to start with our study Bible. Okay, so pull out your study Bible. Going to kind of walk through the study Bible, and I want to encourage you. You'll notice in the front of your study Bible that there are so, if you look at the table of contents, there are so many amazing features that a study Bible has. I don't want you to overlook the section on how to use your study Bible, okay? I want to encourage you to read that section of your study Bible. Um, In the ESV study Bible, it says, Introduction, a user's guide to the ESV study Bible. So I want to encourage you to read those. I also want to encourage you to read the Old Testament and New Testament introductions. But again, if you turn to your um, passage and you look at the beginning of that um, book, you'll see a book introduction. You'll see some maps. You might see a timeline. Of course, in the back of your study Bible, you're going to have a concordance which a concordance is where they list out the words. It's not exhaustive, but it's going to have some of the words and then other places that you will find that word in Scripture. So pull that out. And so tonight, 
We're going to turn to our first study time, and you are going to read and look through your book introduction, and you're going to go to your Bible study worksheet, and I think it is on page 20, and you're going to use, it says, context, what's the backstory, and it says, read Bible, read study Bible book intro. So you are going to use your Bible study book intro and you're going to answer the questions on page 20, let's see, you're going to do page 21. And I think, yeah, just for now, we're going to just do page 21. Okay. So uh, any questions, any questions about what you're doing right now? Is it 20? Oh, my pages are, are different than yours. It, yes, I want page 20. That's exactly right. Yeah, I want, yeah, you're right. Sorry, my page numbers are wrong. I want you to do page 20 to the top of page 21. Okay, I have it right on my slide here. Using the book intro timelines and charts in your study Bible, complete the questions on the Bible study worksheet on page 20 to the top of page 21. Okay, any questions? No, you use your passage you chose. You either chose Joshua, you either chose Philippians, or Luke. You go to your passage. Okay. You might have to finish that at home, but hopefully you got a good start. All right, let's talk about what you learned from your study Bible book intro. Did you, were you able to find out the biblical author of the passage? Who, who are the biblical authors? When you answer, just tell me your passage and who you discovered as the biblical author. Well, Philippians, the author is Paul. Very good. Joshua is probably Joshua. Very good. What about Luke? It's Luke. Is there anything you learned about the author? Is there anything you learned about Peter, Luke, or Joshua? He died when he was 110 years old. Joshua died when he was 110 years old. That's right. A lot of what you're learning about Luke, you learned from the book of Acts because Luke wrote both books. Very good. That's that's good. That's a good thing to understand about the context. Very good. Paul is in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians, which would probably help you understand the book of Philippians a lot more, understanding that he's in prison. Remember that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You might have had a different reason for writing that if you were in prison, right? Herb, were you going to say something? Joshua was the assistant to Moses, and then he became the leader, right? Okay. Anything else about the author? What about where is the author writing from? We mentioned Paul is in prison in Rome. Very good. And it may be that that we don't have that information about the author. Okay. What about the biblical audience? What did you learn about the biblical audience? Paul is writing to believers. 
He's ready, writing to the church in Philippi. Philippi. Right. The Philippian church is the first church that Paul founded in Europe. Very good. Anything else? Okay, what about any geographical details that, that you see as important? Yes, in Joshua 1-4, you have the boundaries that God is giving to the Israelites, right? Wherever their footsteps in, in, the, in these areas. Very good. Is anybody studying the Luke passage? Okay, good. I was so afraid. It seemed like everybody was doing Philippians because <laughs> I love that passage so much. Anything you learned in that passage about where... The locations that it mentions. <coughs> Jerusalem to Jericho. Yeah. So, yeah, that's within the parable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, the, the uh, I don't know if the, your Bible, um, the study Bible book intro talks about this, but the road from Jericho to, from Jerusalem to Jericho was a road that is known uh, for thieves because of the, the terrain. It's easy for thieves to, to uh, robbers to hide. And so as Jesus is talking and teaching the young lawyer, that would have made sense to him, that, that going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, anything else about geography? Okay. Social, political, or religious circumstances. Did you get that far to be aware of? Paul? Luke is writing to Theophilus, who was a Gentile Christian. So we have the sense that the church has now expanded past Jewish Christians. That's good. Very good. He's writing to a Gentile believer, which would tell us, yeah, Gentiles are now included. They're being um, evangelized. Very good. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, right. There's persecution. Absolutely. And Ellen drew that conclusion because Paul is in prison because of his faith. Very good. Very good. Okay. Is there a problem that, was, that you see as being addressed through the passage? Ella? That's right. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Good job. Okay. We're going to move now to another tool. So we just talked about the historical context, which includes the biblical writer, the biblical audience, political, religious, um, cultural situations, any tensions, any problems to be addressed. Now we're going to look at cross-references. Would somebody read the definition for me here of cross-reference? It's right here on the screen, yeah. Cross-references help scripture interpret, interpret scripture by linking passages with the same themes, same word use, or similar ideas. 
They provide more details about people, places, events, etc. Okay, very good, very good. Um, Martin Luther said scripture is its own expositor. In other words, the Bible explains itself, okay? So now we're going to look at these cross-references. I want to show you this picture. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this before. Have any of you ever seen this before? I, this fascinated me so much. Now, along the bottom, these are chapters in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I'm curious, does anybody know what this super long bar might be? What chapter in the Bible might that be? Psalm 119, okay? And then these arcs, they represent words that are, these represent cross-references, over 63,000 cross-references. So you can see how Genesis has cross-references to Revelation and all the way through the scripture. Now, just to remind you, the Bible was written by around 40 authors, across three continents, in three different languages, and over 1,500 years, and, and, the, and this is how the Bible is all connected. What stands out to you about this visual of cross-references? I know. I mean, it's amazing how many times the Bible is linked. Somebody called this the first hyperlink. The Bible is the first hyperlinked book. Hyperlinked book. You know what stands out to me is how unified, how unified the Bible is. Yes. I mean, it's amazing. Ed, were you going to say something? There's another dimension to this as well. If you look at the middle of it, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, by the way, you can find this at chrisharrison.net. Chrisharrison.net is where you, can, where you can find this. Also, it reminds you that the Bible is one connected story. It's one connected story from the beginning to the end. Um. Have you ever heard the phrase, let scripture interpret scripture? So the Bible is better at interpreting a passage than any commentary. And the authors of the Westminster Confession of Faith wrote that the infallible rule of interpretation of scripture is scripture itself. In other words, if you let scripture interpret scripture, it's not going to fail. It's the best commentary you can have. And therefore, when there's a question about the true and full sense of any scripture, when you're not sure what this means, it must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. So if you read something and you're not quite sure what it says, you can look at the cross-reference. And you can let scripture interpret scripture. And you can understand more fully what it means by looking at other places in the Bible. So where are cross-references? How do you find cross-references? They're so important. Well, I took a little picture here of a study Bible, and you can see that the cross-references are typically in one of the columns, okay? 
And you can see, so when you first look at it, you might want to look at your passage in your study Bible and look at the cross-references there. You can also see that some there are some brackets, there are some, you know, it starts, so when you start, it starts with a little letter A and it goes through Z. And then it either starts back at A, or if you're, in, if you're still in the same chapter, I think it goes to AA, AB, AC, like that. But you basically can look, you know, here, 33Y, you look over here, 33Y, and it says C, Matthew 10, 5. Now, you might notice that some say C, some just simply have the, the chapter and the verse. So let me show you this. This took, uh, this, this right here took all the brain power I have. I'm going to just admit to you guys, it took all the brain power I had to, to figure this out. Um, but these are types of cross-references. So references to specific words. So if it's the same, so if it's, it's either the same word or a very similar word, it's just going to have like verse 7. Or it's going to have chapter 1, 3, or it's going to have Hebrew 11, 2. So when you see that cross-reference, you'll know, oh, it's a, very, it's a very similar word. It's the same word, basically, or a very similar word or phrase. Now, if it's in brackets, it's going to be a comparative reference to the same or similar theme. So it's going to be similar, maybe not quite um, as, as, as the same as the one above. Um, and then if it says C, then that's going to be a reference to a collection of references. And then if it has four verse, it's going to be a longer parallel passage. And then it kind of goes on. If it's a, if it's a direct quote, it's going to say cited from, and it's going to have Hebrew or Greek. That's, on, that's added if it's clearer to go to the original language than it is to go to the cross-reference. So you might want to take a picture of this. This isn't in your book. Personally, I would probably, like the, the first two are probably the cross-references I'm going to be most likely to go to. Um, but that at least gives you a key for why some are in brackets, some are, you know, they look differently. So what we're going to do now, now one, one more comment. You can also, if you want to go deeper and, and kind of keep going in your investigation, you can look up the cross-references of the cross-references. You can even go that far to get a better understanding of whatever the word or theme is of the passage. So now what we're going to do, I want you to look at your passage. We're not going to have time to look at all the cross-references. So I want you to look at, in your study Bible, um, I want you to pick one, one verse in your passage, and I want you to look up the cross-references for that one verse, okay? You might want to pick a verse that you want to learn more about. Like maybe you're a little confused about it, um, Maybe in the Philippians passage, you want to know a little bit about every knee, ba every, every um, knee, what, I'm sorry, I'm going blank, every knee bowed and every tongue confessed. You might want to look at that cross-reference. You want to hear, read where that is in, in the rest of Scripture. Okay, so we're not going to have quite as much time to do this one, but I want you to pick at least one verse to look up the cross-references. And you're going to record that on page... 21, under what do you learn from the cross-references? Okay, I think that's enough time. Any questions about cross-references? Anybody learn something they really want to share about the cross-reference? Kathy? Oh, good. Very good.
the same words. That's a great discovery. Very good. She's saying that she looked up uh, in Joshua 1.9. Is that right, Kathy? What, well, if you look in Joshua 1.9, the words that were said there when she went to the cross-reference, it's what Moses had said to Joshua, and he repeated it to the people. Is that right, Kathy? Yep. Okay, Michaela. Uh-huh. Moses the servant of the Lord in Joshua 1:1. One, one. Okay. It's repeated many times in the book and the books before it. Very good. Very good. Okay. So what if you've done all that and you still don't quite understand something in your passage? Maybe there's a word, maybe there's a location, maybe there's a person. That is when you're going to turn to your Bible dictionary or your Bible encyclopedia. Oh, whoops, sorry. That's not what I want to say. Um, so these are reference books that are going to contain articles on the people, the places, the things, the cultures, and the concepts of the Bible. And they're very similar. The dictionary and encyclopedia, very similar. What you're going to probably notice is that a dictionary just has less information. The encyclopedia is going to have a lot more. So Kathy and I both, I think we both use the Holman. Yeah, the Holman Bible Dictionary. Usually anything I want to know is here. If it were something I wanted even more information about, then I would go to an encyclopedia. But here's the really cool thing. Um, you can get this online for free. And in a little bit, I'm actually going to show you some online sources, resources. But for now, I'll just show you really quickly if I can get through all the ads since this is a free site. Um, when you look up here at study, you're going to see some of the resources they have. And you're going to see a dictionary. Like I'm going to click on that. I'm going to go because maybe I want to learn a little bit more about a Samaritan. So... Maybe I think, why did Jesus make the Samaritan the good neighbor? Because he's speaking to a young lawyer, and there is a reason. It's significant to the interpretation of the passage to understand why did Jesus make the Samaritan the good neighbor and not the priest or the Levite, because he's talking to a Jewish person. Why did, so you might say, oh, I'm gonna, I want to learn more about a Samaritan. Or I want to learn more about Samaria. Yep, go right here. This is a dictionary. If I were to go to the encyclopedia, it would have a lot more, okay? These are free resources you can use. I, I particularly like Bible study tools, uh, and I like to use the... The one that I just chose, the East, let's see, the Easton's Bible Dictionary. If I were to choose the encyclopedia, I prefer, wait a minute. Whoops, 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 whoops. Why is it doing that? There we go. I like the international standard right there. And let me just click on, let me just click on Samaritan just to see if I'm right. I could be wrong. I think I'm right, though. Okay, let me look at Samaritan and see if it's a lot more information. Yes. So that's the encyclopedia. You can see that it's a lot more information. 
Yeah, so it's on BibleStudyTools.com, and it's the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia there. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, we'll go back to my PowerPoint. Okay. All right. So yeah, and you know, you might want to you might want to learn more about Joshua. You might want to learn more about those locations. You might want to learn more about the Philippian church. You might want to learn about the city of Philippi. You might be curious, like what it, what did the, a typical uh, Philippian worship? What did the people in that town? Who did they worship? You know, you might want to, you know, look at what's going on politically. And a Bible dictionary is a great place if you didn't find it in your study Bible. Okay. All right. So we've looked at historical context. We've looked at cross-references. Now we're going to move on to another type of context, and that's literary context. But first we're going to play a little game. Okay? We're going to play a little game. I'm going to show you some pictures. I know we get excited when it's a game, don't we, Amber? I only, I only saw Amber go like this. I didn't see anybody else do that. But maybe it was because I was looking over here. Um, okay, here's the game. I'm going to show you some pictures. And in these pictures, you're gonna, it's going to be a close-up view. But the second, And you're going to try to guess what is this picture of. And then, of course, I'm going to reveal the whole picture. It's just to prove that sometimes we can tell when we only read a little bit of the Scripture but sometimes we, we have to know the literary context to be able to understand what this is and what this means. Okay, picture number one. I love doing stuff like this. Okay, picture number one. What is this? It's the New City Academy logo. Yes. There, you've seen it so many times. She works in communications. Yes, you have. Okay. What is this? Is it the men's restroom sign? Good job. Good job. Some of, some of them we can tell. Okay. What about this? Horse. Who said horse? Jen, did you say that? Look at that beautiful hair. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Look at the sun glistening in that beautiful hair. Okay, that's my hair. Okay. All right. What? Yeah, thank you. Okay, what is this? A piece of wood. So you might think this is a piece of wood. So, okay, Tyler, who's on the, the welcome team, says it's our welcome cart. You know your stuff, Tyler. You know your stuff. Okay, what is the, what, the, we know a little bit. Like, we can tell it's a foot and a pair of jeans, but there's so much more to this that we don't know. There's Reza. Okay, anybody know what this is? Y'all should all know what this is. It's the donation box. Okay, here's our last one. This is our last one. What is this? A shirt. 
A golf shirt. Very nice. All right, let's see. It's Chris Payne. It's Chris Payne. Good job. Very good job. So, yeah, the point is that when we, when we see the context, we understand what it is better, right? So let's look at our backstory principle number two. Literary context helps determine the meaning of the passage. And remember, when I'm talking about literary context, I'm talking about the surrounding passages, right? The surrounding passages, the surrounding chapter, the surrounding book, the surrounding testa- testament, and the, surround- and the whole Bible, ultimately. And so, I just said this, literary context is the paragraphs and chapters surrounding the passage you're studying, the whole book that the passage is found in, and ultimately the whole Bible, okay? And you may have seen something like this before. It's called the circles of biblical context, and that, rep- that just represents what I just said. You have your verse, but you have the context of the surrounding passage, the whole book, other books by the same author, which we saw that example tonight with Luke, having written Luke and Acts, the same Testament and the whole Bible. Let me see what time it is. Um, so one passage you might want to look up really quickly, we'll just use this as an example, Acts 2, 42 to 47. If you don't mind looking that up, Acts 2, 42 to 47. And I am going to ask someone to read this passage. So if you have a microphone on your table, go ahead and get your microphone ready. Okay. Okay. Would you, okay, so Ella's going to read Acts 2, 42 to 47 for us. Wait You may have to turn it on, Ella. I know. Hello. Uh, Okay. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Okay. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, very good. Now, I want you guys to look before that passage. What do you, just take a moment to kind of look Look through those verses before the passage, and let's see what happened right before that. What do you notice happened? Mm -hmm. The verse directly before it, verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What happened right before that? Peter's sermon. 
Okay, what happened right before that? We're going to go just a little bit further back so that we understand the context of what's going on. The Holy Spirit was given to believers. It was Pentecost. Jew, all of the, not all of the Jews, many Jews came to the city for Pentecost. While they were there, the Holy Spirit was given to believers of Jesus. They started all talking, but you could understand what they were saying, even, they were, even though they were talking different languages. And then Peter teaches, and 3,000 believers were added to the church that day. And then we read in Acts 2, 42 to 47, basically the characteristics of the early church, which are still the characteristics of the church today. So as you, as you look now at Acts 2, 42 to 47, how does that change? Let's reread it, and let's see, does that change anything that you understand about, about the passage? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and, all the, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Is there any new things that you see in that passage because you understand the context of what had just happened previous to that? Anything stand out? Yeah, it's amazing, Amber. Yeah, they received the Holy Spirit and then the wonders. I mean, right, the love they had for each other the unity, the sharing of, of their possessions, do you think that had anything to do with the fact that they were all indwelt with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Right. What were you going to say? I was going to say people don't usually give everything up and share all their stuff unless it's something really big. Yeah. Yeah. Usually that doesn't happen apart from the work of the Spirit in a person's life. Also, um, you know, they shared everything they had because so many it, it could be that because so many people were in the city that didn't live there, too. You kind of have to think, oh, okay. So because Jews had come to the city to celebrate Pentecost, and then they became believers, yeah, they would need, they would need help with, with some of those things because they stayed there and they learned how to be a believer. So then we see this beautiful expression of what the church looks like. So that's actually one of my very favorite verses. So, so that's an example. Um, you might also think, that's an example of a surrounding passage, but you also may think about the whole Bible. So one of the reasons that we started our first course in academy as Old Testament Redemptive History is because it really is important to understand the whole story of Scripture. You know, in the fall, we're going to have that Old Testament, we'll, be in, we'll offer that again. So if you would like to take that, we'll, ha we'll start that in September. And then Old Testament redemptive history students will move on to New Testament redemptive history. But it is really important to understand 
the, 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 the history, the redemptive history that God has written from Genesis to Revelation, because no matter what you read in the Bible, you're looking at it through that context. For example, have you ever read Leviticus or Deuteronomy? And you might, act, you might read it as like a how-to. You know, you might say, oh, we can't eat pork. Oh, you know, you kind of read some of these laws and you're like, you know, is this a how-to or are these, are these things I'm supposed to do? But when you understand the whole plan of scripture, you understand, oh, we're on the other side of the cross. Christ has done the work. He has fulfilled the law. You know, then you know, oh, it says do not eat pork, but you know in Romans, it says that there is no food that's unclean. It abolished those laws. So it's really important to also think about your passage um, with, with the whole Bible. So that, that's, that's another aspect of the literary context. Okay. So understanding the context is very important. I'm going to give you just a few minutes right now to turn back to your passage. This will be our last study time tonight. And I want you to read the surrounding passages. And I think this is on page 21 that you record the context before and after the passage. And if there's anything that you know about the chapter, the book, or the whole um, Bible that affects your passage, write that down as well. Do you guys like that music or not really? Okay, I'm not going to play the music. <laughs> we'll just have to make a little noise on the side. Okay, hopefully that was enough time for you to see a few things. Anybody want to share anything that stood out to them? Okay, go ahead, Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And, and then Martha and Mary, of course, the story mm-hmm. where Martha was missing his point totally, but Mary chooses the good part. Mm, very good, very good. Anybody else see something in the context of your passage or in the surrounding passages? Very good. Very good. I love that. Anything else? Deanne? I, um, one of the things that I learned from that was that some of the preachers were preaching from selfish ambition. Mm. Because I was kind of wondering. Preachers were preaching from selfish ambition. Did he talk so much about humility? Yeah. And then he goes into the humility of Philippians 2, 1 to 11. Very good. Mm. 
Nice. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Oh, Herb. Joshua reminds them, uh, told them uh, to remember what Moses has said. Yep. And to follow through on it. And then also they, they give a literal time frame when they will cross the, the river. Gives them, a, gives them a time frame. Very good. Very good. And you even may, if you have the passage in Joshua, you're going to want to go back to Genesis. You're going to, I mean, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy. Sorry. You're going to want to go back to the end of Deuteronomy because you're going to want to read what happened right before Joshua. Sorry. I just skipped a few books. Um, okay. Very good. Now, I am going to talk for just a moment on word study. We're not going to have time to do a word study because I do want to have some time to show you some online resources that might help you with your Bible study. Um, but why would you want to do a word study? I'm just going to ask you guys that. Like, why do a word study? What do you think? Deeper meaning in the original language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it also may be that it's, you, yeah, you want to know what that was in the original language. You want to understand it more fully from the original language. Any other reason you would want to, Kathy? We have one word for love, but the Greeks have three. So which one are they using? Perfect. We have one word for love, but the Greeks had three words for love. And so you want to know which word they're using. Very good. That's perfect. Any other reason you do a word study? Right. You want to know how, what, in what way this word is used in this context. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. And it could just be you're 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 more you're curious. You're curious about the word. You want to learn more about it. You're not familiar with it. Maybe it's not a word that we use very often in our culture. And you just you're like I, I want to understand that word um, better. So a word study is a study tool to help you understand the meaning of the word from the original language, as well as how the same word is used in other passages. And our word study principle is. A word may have different meanings based on the context that surrounds the word. It's your job to investigate and decide which definition fits the context, which is what Ed was saying. Okay, I, and then in your book, you'll see I have steps to doing a word study. This is just kind of what I do. Um, remember that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic. The New Testament is written in Greek. So anytime you're looking up in a concordance, in a, a, the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, I'm going to show you another tool, stepbible.org. You just remember, oh, I'm looking up a Hebrew word if I'm looking up an Old Testament word. I'm looking up a Greek word if I'm looking up a New Testament word. So you're going to choose a word that's crucial to the passage or one that interests you to go deeper. You're gonna, you might choose a word that's less familiar in today's culture or one that's repeated in the passage, and you're going to find the Greek or Hebrew word in an exhaustive concordance, okay? Now, I want to show you this online um, tool. 
that makes looking up a word in the original language like so super easy. Makes it super easy. It is called stepbible.org. I already have Philippians here. Is that big enough? Can y'all see that okay? So yeah, the wor- the words that are that you can go back to the original language are in red. So so say you say you're like, okay, I want to know what it means when it says um, he was in the form of God. Like, what does that word form mean? You just click on it, and then over here to the right, you're gonna see you're gonna see the the Greek word there. You're gonna see the Strong's number. And that's just the way that we in, index it so that you can look in the Strong's Concordance. Um, you're going to see a, a brief definition, form, outward appearance, nature, character. You're going to see that this word occurs about 11 times. And you know what? If you click there, it's going to show you some other places that this word is used. And you can read. You can, it, basically a cross-reference here. Okay? Then there's another um, Dictionary. There's some dictionary um, definitions here. And, you know, you have to go through and figure out which of these definitions fix the context of this passage. But stepbible.org is just an amazing resource, resource to use. Now, if you don't use... And here's the other thing about stepbible.org. You can find the cross-references here, too. If you don't have a study Bible or you want to do it really quickly and you don't want to be flipping through your study Bible, let me go back to Philippians. So here, you can, you, right here, A, you can click on that cross-reference and read it right here. Isn't that quick? Participation, there's the cross-reference for participation. So stepbible.org, you can look at you can do a word study there, and you can look at cross-references really quickly there. Um, but, what, but I will say for me, I don't find the exo- Strong's Exhaustive Concordance very helpful. I personally just like to use stepbible.org or a keyword study Bible. Because the keyword study Bible, it's not going to have every word. It's not exhaustive. But what it is going to have are the words that have the most theological significance. So it's just a quicker way. And you're going, to see, you're going to see the number, the Strong's number. And then, like I said, you're going to go in the back. And if it's an Old Testament word, you're going to go to the Old Testament section because that's going to be the Hebrew. And if it's a New Testament word, you'll go to the New Testament section and look for the number. Um, and you're going to note the differences in the definitions, and you're going to figure out which definition applies to the verse you're looking at. And then I also just like to use an English dictionary. I do. I just like to look it up in the good old Webster's Dictionary and see what, see what that says as well. Any questions on a word study? Any comments on a word study? Does anyone, does anyone regularly do word studies that they'd like to share anything? Okay. Well, then what I'm going to do now is really quickly show you a few websites and this is in your booklet. Oh, what, Campbell? Oh, go for it. I don't know if back then they used, like, slang. Because I know, like, if we were writing the Bible now, it might say, like, and Moses told y'all. 
Yeah. Well, it, it might. Yeah, yeah. If we did it today in the South, if we were writing from the South, it could use the word y'all. Yeah. That you, that you, that's a good question. Maybe, yeah, I think if there's something that's a more like, like a cultural word, yeah, I think we would find that when we look at these definitions. We might learn more about that. Mm-hmm. I think so. But I don't have a specific um, example to draw from at, the, at this moment. But, yeah, that's a good question. It's a great question. A good reason to do a word study. A good reason to do a word study. Okay, I think in your booklet, is it page, um, the other re- the resources Page 24. So if you want to look really quickly at page 24. Um, I actually do think I have a slide here that I'll show you really quickly. And then I'll show you some. So um, here are some online tools. BibleStudyTools.com. You can look, at, you can look that up through your laptop, it's a website, or you can download an app to your phone. They do have an app. BibleHub.com also has an app. BlueLetterBible.com also has an an app. StudyLight.org, I don't think that has an app, but they have some great commentaries and different resources there. StepBible.org for word studies and cross-references. EnduringWord.com, does anybody use EnduringWord.com? It's a commentary. Yeah, and, and, and they also have an app. Um, but I'll just really quickly, let's see, I think I showed you Bible study tools. Um, so let me look up study light, and, and we can see. So yeah, at the top you'll see Bible study tools. It's kind of small, but you'll see the commentaries that they have, the Bible concordances, the Bible dictionaries, the Bible encyclopedias that they have. Um, You'll see the language tools. They have an Old Testament and New Testament Greek lexicon, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Aramaic. Um, An interlinear uh, Bible, basically what that means is that, wait a minute, let me get to it. Basically, what that means is I'm going to pull up Philippians just because we've been pulling that up. Um, Wait a minute. Let me go back. Okay. Well, I'll just go to Joshua. Chapter 1. You can see that it kind of goes through the verse, the Lord, the servant of Moses, the death, now after, and then it has the, the word above. It's kind of... It's kind of like one line away from each other is what that means, interlinear. This one is not quite as easy to follow as other ones, but that's what that is. You can read on the same line. You can see the original language right beside the English. Um, So that has that. Historical writings, pastoral resources, personal resources. Um, but all of them, you know, have wonderful resources. You really just have to use the different ones and just decide which one you like the best. I like Bible study tools. I also like Blue Letter Bible, but I've heard some people say that it's harder to navigate than others. Um, and then Enduring Word is, it's, you know, anytime you read a commentary, you might not agree with every single thing it says. That's okay. Um, but they have, 
an easy to read commentary in English. You can pull up, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pull up Luke because I haven't pulled up Luke. And yeah, you, you just have a real simple commentary here that you can look at online or you can look at on your phone. Okay, any questions? There you go. All right. Raise your hand. Oh, did it? Did it get? Does it? Okay. It always goes back to like the my home screen, and then it goes. Um, just curious. Who? Raise your hand if you're studying Joshua. Okay. Raise your hand if you're studying Philippians. Okay. Raise your hand if you're studying Luke. Okay, I'm really happy about this. So we have, we have a pretty good variety. So what, what do you guys think about next week, us having some tables that you sit at based on your passage so that we can share? Okay, that's what we're going to do. It may not be perfect. We may not have it perfectly. Um, but we will have some tables with tent cards. So, so that we can, we can talk as a table and learn from each other. Okay. One last thing. One last thing. One last thing. Because we have two minutes. <laughs> we have two minutes. Okay. I got to use my... Okay. What are you still curious about? Now, tonight you looked at the historical context, the literary context, cross-reference... What are you still curious about? Can you really quickly list five questions, or one or two, will be fine, um, that you still have about your passage? You can put that on your Bible study worksheet in that left column. What, are you, what do you still want to find out about this passage? I'll give you one minute to write those questions down. What are you still curious about? Could be, why is this? Why is this significant? In, uh, on your Bible study worksheet in that le- on that column on the right. Could be, yeah, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, any of those pages in that column to the right. What are you still curious about from your passage? What do you still want to understand about your passage? It could be a why question. Um, and that, this is just setting us up for next week when we start going into interpretation. What does it mean? What are you still curious about? Is there a word study you want to do this week? And if you are in the Old Testament course, don't forget to bring your bookmark so that we can give you the stamp for this course by the, by the week four. Don't forget that. Okay, let me pray for us. Father, we are so amazed um, by your word, and I pray that we become even more amazed the more that we dig into it, the more that we make observations, the more that we look at 
just the cross-references and all of the different ways that we can understand the context of our passages, Lord. Just open our eyes. Give us, give us spiritual discoveries that we've never seen before. But Lord, I know that, that it's going to take us actually sitting down and, and doing this. And so I pray that this week that you give, you give each and every one of us those quiet moments where we can dig deeper into your word. I pray that you'll help us just extract everything we can from the passage, from the historical context, from our study Bible, and that next week we can start looking at what does it mean. We can start interpreting um, your word. And then, Lord, ultimately, that will lead us um, to transformation, to application, to becoming more like you. Thank you so much for every person here. And, Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.